Welcome to the Next Level Human Podcast. As a human, you have a job to do. In fact, you have four jobs. To earn and manage money, to attain and maintain health and fitness, to build and sustain personal relationships, to find meaning and make a difference. None of these jobs are taught in school, and that is what this podcast is designed to do. To educate us all on living our most fulfilled lives through the mastery of these four jobs. I'm your host, Dr. Jade Tita, and I believe we are here living this life for three reasons and three reasons only to learn, to teach, and to love. In this podcast, I will be learning, teaching, and loving right along with you. I'm grateful to have your company. Here's to our next level. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to today's show. Today, we're going to do something a little different. And this comes from an idea I had and then asking the opinion of a few very close friends to see if they thought it'd be a good idea. I've been working on the Next Level Human manuscript for two years now. Most of my books, um, I write very fast within a week or so. And this particular manuscript has taken a very long time. It's kind of taken on a, a, a life of its own, so to speak. And as you know, listeners of this podcast, I jump back and forth often between mindset, muscle, metabolism. We do some physical development stuff. We do some personal development stuff. I thought it might be useful since I get so many questions from all of you about the philosophy behind the next level human construct, how I came up with it. What does it actually mean? You're, you're seeming to be hungry for more about this particular philosophy. And many of you are not really wanting to wait for the book. So I thought I would do um, a read, a read of the philosophy section of the book. This is going to be basically me jumping right in to the part of this manuscript that is already completed and give you a taste of the philosophy of a next level human. Now, this is going to read very much like other forms of philosophy. So it may be a little tough at times to follow, but I urge you to stick with it. And we're going to just try this as an experiment. And if you like it, I would love your feedback because maybe what I will do is begin reading parts of the book periodically leading up to its release in early spring next year. So without further ado, let's get into this particular read of my upcoming book, The Next Level Human and the philosophy of The Next Level Human. Here we go. The philosophy of being next level. Why should we want to be a next level human anyway? What does that really mean and why is it important to move from more base level and culture level ways of being to next level human behavior? This is an important question. To help answer that, I want to share the philosophical underpinnings of the three types of humans and why striving to be next level is not just a path to our own personal fulfillment, but also the only way to enhance, expand, and evolve the human collective as well. Let's start with a few simple questions. What makes humans different? What sets us apart from all other animals? Why are we here on this planet to begin with? And what purpose, if any, do we serve? Is our existence mere random chance? Or is there some kind of organized intelligence at work? These and questions just like them have been asked in philosophical inquiries since antiquity. 
The most important question, in my opinion, the one that could provide clues to all those speculations is the first one. What makes us humans different? Some have said it's because we are aware of our own existence. We are conscious. But is being aware of one's existence really unique to humans? Are animals not aware of their existence? Do they not navigate the world as individuals and strive for survival too? Is that striving not centered around some kind of understanding, no matter how instinctual, of their independent existence? Others have said it's our ability to reason that sets us apart. We are great thinkers, the argument goes. Put a monkey, bird, or rat in a laboratory setting and then force them to think through an elaborate set of obstacles in order to procure food. Or, an example closer to home, try to keep a squirrel out of your bird feeder by booby-trapping it, protecting it, isolating it, and hanging it in the middle of nowhere. Guess what happens? That squirrel inevitably solves the riddle. Watching animals learn, adjust, and adapt will leave you questioning the idea that humans are the only ones who can think. Animals definitely have intelligence and aptitude. While they may not be as advanced as humans, they can reason. What about creativity? Surely that is unique to humans. But what about dogs at play, a bird's nest, a beaver's dam? Aren't all of these different forms of creative expression? Maybe it is free will. Humans can choose their own way. But are animals not without choice? Are they not free to decide and suffer the rewards or consequences of those decisions? A lion waiting in the grass, stalking its prey, is deciding which gazelle is closest, weakest, slowest, and youngest. Then it attacks. That choice has consequences of survival same as ours. Maybe it's emotions. Take a baby monkey away from its mother and you will see the sadness. Watch a cow being led to slaughter and you will feel anxiety and fear. Animals likely have some of the same emotional software that we do. So what is it then? What makes humans special? Here's my theory. None of those things just mentioned set humans apart, but rather all of them do, plus more. Humans display all of those attributes, but importantly, they are able to integrate them. They combine reason, creativity, and free will in a synergistic way. Humans are conscious, rational, and creative. But when these properties are combined, they give rise to much more. We integrate these elements to become aware of reality and aware of possibilities. We can imagine new realities. We can learn from the past, plan for the future, and adjust our behavior as needed in the present. What sets us apart is the fact that we humans are time travelers. Not in the literal sense. We obviously are not physically transporting ourselves backward or forward in time. I mean this figuratively. We travel through time mentally. We propel ourselves backwards in time recalling events, ideas, insights, and occurrences. Our past informs and instructs. It provides lessons we can apply in the present moment. Past successes, failures, fears, and hurts are stored in our memory banks. They are then called up instantly and mostly unconsciously into the present to inform conscious, rational, and creative decisions. That's not all. Humans also teleport forward in time. We envision new realities and opportunities. We see impossibilities and improbabilities and then bend reality to manifest something new. This is where invention comes from. What other animal can think up a thing that has never existed in nature and then will it into existence?
Not only can humans dream up new things for themselves, they can do it for others too. We are able to consider how our pursuit of future goals will impact not just ourselves, but others as well. And we more often than not seem to want to take that into account. Not only do we have the capacity to consider other people, we can relate to all living things in the same way. We can be holistic and inclusive in our imaginative creative endeavors. It's as if we humans are floating down the universal river in a canoe. We then lean back, draping our arms over the boat's edge, our arms becoming saturated with the current. We then use them like rudders to shape our path. When we do this, we know we are not just changing our own direction, but we are altering the trajectory for others as well. So we are aware of ourselves and we are aware of others. We can choose and act for us and them. We can create for ourselves and have the ability and often the desire to share with others. We influence the world around us in deliberate ways, taking into account fellow humans and the world at large. It's an integration of the rational, creative, and conscious potentials into something more powerful than any of those elements alone. A synergy that makes humans entirely different than any other living, conscious, rational, or creative animal. There is even more to being human. We seem driven towards completion. We have a loneliness that permeates us. The need to become more whole, the desire to bring something of ourselves to life and leave something of ourselves in death. We have a sense of being influenced by something larger than us. As we develop more power and maturity, we want to expand ourselves. We also look to impact others. We want to influence the world at large. We seek to alter the world in some small way only we are capable of. We want to carve I was here into the universe. To imagine a more complete self and to integrate into the greater whole simultaneously, that is what seems to be unique and different about humans. The ability to be aware of self, considerate of others, part of the world and also separate from it. To be compelled to influence the future in a way that transcends our own existence. We seek to explore our passions, find sources of meaning, and choose a purpose that generates something bigger and more lasting than our own existence and outlasts our own lifetime. Humans want to matter and make a difference beyond themselves. We are conscious influencers. Once we understand that, the question is, will our influence be destructive or enhancing? Will we grow, help others be better, and contribute to the positive evolution of the world? Or will we choose the destructive path, negatively impacting others and leaving a degraded world in our wake? You may say other animals consciously influence. The lead bird in a flock, a mama bear teaching her cub how to survive, a silverback gorilla protecting and leading. But do any of these animals think past the present moment? Can they project themselves into the future and imagine new possibilities for personal growth for themselves? Are they driven to create things to influence the lives of their pack, a neighboring pack, another species even, the world at large? And if they did, would they have the right synergy of consciousness, rationality, and creativity to actually make it happen? Do they have the imagination, the force of will, and the physiological tools to achieve their directives? Can they integrate all of these things in a way that considers self and other? Would they be able to see how everything fits holistically, and know that every choice they make means beneficial and negative consequences. Would those animals then consciously push one of these outcomes or not and be able to adjust based on feedback from the world? I think not. 
This is the job of human. Only we are capable of creating or destroying for ourselves and others. Ours is an integrated, holistic, and imaginative consciousness that is driven by an unrelenting force of creative will. So what do we call this unique multifactorial nature of human? Imaginative will? Integrative consciousness? I think we already have the perfect word for it. Purpose. A single human in full control of their powers can change the world for every living inhabitant on earth, not just now, but far into the future, and be fully aware they have done so. When this power is wielded intentionally, it becomes purpose. The power of purpose. Purpose is the deliberate pursuit of a creative outcome for which we are uniquely suited. Consciousness, reason, imagination, choice, and action are the tools we use in that pursuit. The intentional integration of these attributes make up our human superpower, purpose. With this force, we humans become godlike. But as the saying goes, with great power comes great responsibility. Just because we have such potential does not mean every human wields it for good. We can choose to be gods and devils, angels and demons, creators and destroyers, lovers or haters. Each individual must decide, and that is sometimes easier said than done. Because of our integrated consciousness, we are constantly synthesizing and sorting information from inside our minds and outside our bodies. We can influence and be influenced. The ability to find the signal in the noise inside and the message in the mess from outside is the key to powerfully stepping into purpose. This is where base level and culture level instincts must be controlled. The base level self is influenced by the desires for power and control. It wants safety. It wants to win. It needs to be right. It will choose the destruction of other for the preservation of self and be unaware that destroying that which is a part of you is destroying self. The cultural level brain wants status and popularity. We are impacted by the wishes and whims of the world around us. Our culture, our historical time period, the environment, and more. Giving into culture level cravings is another path to self-destruction. It is only through the harmonious integration of these two opposing forces, the world inside us and the world outside us, that purpose can be derived. But how do we navigate this? How can we uniquely fit into the world around us to impact the world in our singular way? We must learn to integrate the base level and culture level selves in a way that accentuates our next level potential. When base level power and culture level popularity are in support of next level purpose, we become more than influencers. We become inspirational role models for others seeking their purpose. What makes a next level human different is the urge to grow themselves along with the desire to positively evolve the world and enhance the life of others. This state of being means not only have they mastered their own purpose, but they have transcended self, transcended ego, and escaped groupthink and found fulfillment. Me, you, and you me. There is the world we live inside of our own minds, me things i.e. individual experiences, thoughts, and pursuits. But there is also the world outside of ourselves, you things, other human beings, nature, etc. Finally, there is the world generated when me things interact with you things or you me things. I call this third category you slash me and give it a name, you me. 
because you can almost think of this as its own entity. If it's easier to conceptualize, you can also think of you, me as us things or universal things. You, me represents the integration of me, the individual, with you, other people, and the universal collective. There's what we know, we know, me things. What we know, we don't know, you things. And what we don't know, we don't know, you, me things. It is only by the incorporation of you and me that new possibilities for being emerge both for ourselves, others, and the world. Integration into you, me is what constitutes universal knowledge and with it we become more powerfully human. It is also the only way to access purpose. In the Yumi state, we are able to dip our arms into the universal collective. There we can access what it has to teach from the past, and from there we may be able to access what is possible in the future, and therefore know exactly how to be in the present. This state of being in the now and fully present with our purpose and power is what I mean when I talk about integration. I realize this is sounding a bit woo-woo and new age. Think of it like this. Imagine a computer writing the code of the universe. Since you are part of the universe, you are contributing to this computer code whether you are conscious of it or not. The trick is to become conscious. To realize your next level self, you need to gain access to that code. You need to know how to read it so you can more consciously contribute to it. When you are in the me state, you are limited. It is analogous to being stuck in base level, self-absorbed and self-centered behavior. You are only centered on what you already know and you can't learn and grow from this closed-minded state. You can only access what you already know and therefore understand little and contribute even less. When you are in the you state, you are looking around for what you may not know. That's a good start, but you have to be careful not to completely lose yourself. This is a way of conceptualizing the culture level self where the focus is always on everyone and everything else. If you take the you state too far, you are at best copying others' contributions to the code and again, unable to contribute your own lines of code. The goal is not for me to dominate you or for you to complete me, but for both states to grow each other and enhance their mutual understanding. The Yumi state represents this magical state and is the essence of the next level way of being. It integrates self, me, and other, you, in a way that maintains the integrity of each and generates something wholly authentic from them. It's like peanut butter mixing with jelly. They are both fine apart, but together they create something that can't be replicated. The parts are synergistically enhanced in their combination. The Yumi state gives you access to code you never knew existed and teaches you how to be an expert programmer yourself. This is where the power of manifestation and purpose is born. You must remain open-minded enough to take in information from others. You must be self-aware enough to know and own your uniqueness. You must be selfish enough to protect yourself and selfless enough to include others. You must be arrogant enough to know how amazingly powerful you are and humble enough to know you are nothing special. You must be able to blend extremes, flow with yin and yang, and blend black and white to gray. You must be an integrator. The beginning of human being. How did we become human in the first place? Hey, it's Dr. JT here just breaking in real quickly. It is time to talk about one of our sponsors, our earliest sponsor, Cured Nutrition. 
This is a CBD company. Cured Nutrition is another one of those next level human companies that is doing amazing things in the world. Let me tell you a little bit about one of the things I've been doing with CBD here recently. There is some really interesting research showing that chronic cannabis users, these are people who are smoking marijuana, are actually down-regulating the cannabinoid 1 receptor. Well, guess what the cannabinoid 1 receptor is involved in? Well, it's involved in cravings and hunger. And there is some really interesting mouse research that shows mice given products that lower CB1 or being engineered with a lower CB1 activity actually eat less and are not obese as a result of that. And so I have been experimenting using CBD to lower hunger to downregulate the CB1 receptor just the way chronic cannabis users tend to be very thin. It has been working very well. Now, of course, the other thing that I use this for and have used it for, for since day one is uh, Cured Nutrition has a product called Zen that is a mix of magnesium and CBD and some other really nice formulations in there that I use to help me sleep. I have notoriously bad sleep. My sleep still is not perfect, but the Cured Nutrition product Zen has made a big difference to helping me sleep better. And that is just huge. Now, of course, they have other products. They also have a product called Rise, which I do not use, but I have used in the past. It is great for those people who like to have a pick-me-up in the morning to focus better. So Zen and Rise are fantastic, but any of their CBD products used for downregulation of the CB1 receptor to help with hunger and cravings, if you're one of these people who is constantly overeating and on a diet, you find that, hey, when I'm on a diet, I get this crazy sort of hunger and cravings. This may be something you want to check out. So check out CuredNutrition.com. Use the code NEXTLEVEL. I get a kickback to help us have these discussions on the show. It's a great way for me to be able to do this work. So thank you for Cured Nutrition for that. Of course, Cured Nutrition gets the sale and you get to work with a fantastic company that gets results with their supplements. I hope you will check them out. CuredNutrition.com. Use the code NEXTLEVEL. I wanted to take a second to cover one of our sponsors and tell you all about Paleo Valley at Paleo Valley. Com. These are the grass-fed sticks that I tell you all so much about that all of my friends know I have on hand constantly. They are in my car. They are at my house. I keep them at my sister's home and my parents' house. I have these things everywhere because they are the simplest, most convenient whole foods protein supplement you can get, almost like carrying around pure protein, low-carb protein in your pocket. They also, these Paleo Valley beef sticks, are the only, the only 100% grass-fed and grass-finished beef sticks on the market. They use organic spices. They are naturally fermented instead of using nitrates and nitrites that can be a problem in some of these cured meats, and they simply taste fantastic. Check out the original or the jalapeno. Those are my favorites. Please make sure you go over to paleovalley.com and visit. When checking out, use the code NEXTLEVEL for a 15% discount. Remember, our sponsors keep the show going by you giving them your patronage and spending your money on these high-quality products. 
you actually do a few things. One, you're helping to support the podcast. And two, you are helping your health. And three, you are making sure that good quality companies like Paleo Valley can be out there doing their business, changing the world, making the earth better. One of the things you may not know about this is that grass-fed organic and grass-finished beef is doing something that is so utterly important for our environment, actually helping to repopulate the topsoil. A lot of people don't know this, but our topsoil is being extremely depleted and raising animals especially cattle the correct way helps to get that topsoil back this is one of the reasons why i love paleo valley not to mention it tastes fantastic but they're one of these companies like my other sponsors cured nutrition and organifi that are doing the right things by the environment i really appreciate everything they do and i hope you will check them out thanks so much paleovalley.com use the code next level and now back to the show I'm not sure whether you are religious, spiritual, agnostic, or atheist. Regardless, you probably have some beliefs about where we come from. I'm not interested in challenging your beliefs. That's what's great about philosophy and the thought experiments it allows us to play with. There is no need for your own beliefs to feel threatened. I want to take you on a brief journey through my philosophy as to the origins of human. My belief is that if we're going to talk about getting to our next level, it is useful to have some context of why it matters. Try not to let your beliefs get in the way of this discussion. Just see if you can follow my logic. To me, the very nature of existence demands we humans work to evolve ourselves and better the world. But where does existence even start? And why would a single human going about their life have any impact or matter at all? In the beginning, what was there? Most people would say, well, something can't come from nothing. But if there was something that made humans then that something couldn't have come from nothing either. And if that something can't come from nothing, then where did that original something come from? It's a bit of a conundrum, isn't it? We quickly get into an argument of the infinite, and the something can't come from nothing logic starts to break down. So did we come from something or nothing? If we came from something, where did that something come from? If we came from nothing, how is that even possible? What do we call the original something or nothing? The thing from which all other things have emerged. You can call that source God if you wish, maybe universal consciousness if you prefer, or anything else that suits you. I'm an agnostic and have come to refer to this unknowable thing simply as source. Here's the way I see it. We arise from this source, all that was, all that is, all that ever will be. To understand humans, we need to explore the attributes of this source. If possible, we want to know how it behaves and what are its properties. We need to understand how nothing might give rise to something and how that something generated all other somethings. How nothing becomes something. Try to envision nothingness. What exactly is no thing? How could that possibly lead to something? One way to think of nothing is as an empty space, and this is where we can start playing with the concept of nothing. If I have a cup with nothing in it, it's easy to imagine it being filled by something. In fact, the empty space in a cup is impossible to understand without the idea of something filling that cup. Just the thought of nothing immediately demands the consideration of something, does it not? Emptiness may contain nothing but it is also simultaneously a potential holding space for something. 
That recognition seems to make something and nothings not opposites, but different manifestations of the same thing. It's like the idea of vapor, water, and ice, different expressions of the same element. Or the concept of night and day. You can't have one without the other. Here's another way to look at it. The number zero represents the absence of a thing. But it also is a space for a thing. It is simultaneously the missing of a number and a holding place for all numbers simultaneously. Again, nothing and something seem eerily linked in some way. Perhaps even the same thing. Different sides of the same coin. When empty space, nothingness is added to more empty space, more nothingness, the end result is still nothing, but now somehow a more expansive nothing. It is a greater holding place for a potential something. It is more potential, more possibility. It's like when you add zero to zero. You get zero, but that new zero is somehow different than the two zeros that generated it. It is more than the original zeros because it was derived from two zeros, not just one. It is both nothing in its literal interpretation, but also somehow different by virtue of how it was derived. At this point, you might think I've gone crazy and are saying to yourself, Jade, what is the point of this ridiculous thought experiment? Here is what I'm trying to convey. Remember the question of what makes us humans different and how we have this ability to imagine into existence things that have never before existed? What I am explaining above is the very same type of idea. We humans seem to behave a lot like source. Source is able to create new potential out of nothing. We can do the same. We are able to integrate different attributes, making more from the sum of its parts. Source does this also. We express these same behaviors of source. It is inclusive. To be the source, it must encompass all things. It is integrated. If it is the source, it must allow for all things simultaneously. That would mean it is both expanding and contracting, evolving and degrading, growing and shrinking, life and death, light and dark. All of this points to its balanced and flowing nature. Taoism captures this essence with the expression of yin and yang. If source is all things and all things flow from it, then we can conceptualize it as the place where all potential springs. Source generates potential and it does it out of the possibility of nothing. This may sound like philosophical wordplay, but guess what happens when physicists isolate empty space in a lab? They discover that particles spontaneously and sporadically come in and out of that space. In other words, is it possible that nothing can and indeed does give rise to something? This realization may be the greatest contribution science has made up to this point in the understanding of where we humans and all other aspects of this universe come from. In fact, without the conscious machinery we use to observe the world, can we say anything exists at all? We like to imagine the universe as this vast container of space and time that we humans showed up in one day. But what if we create universe simply by observing it? What if we are the source of source? If you are familiar with the theory of biocentrism, you have likely been exposed to that idea. So are we part of this source potential? Simply a reflection of it? or the cause of it. We humans are individual many potentials ourselves. Our ability to reason, our capacity for choice, our creative efforts, conscious intentions, to integrate or separate, to shrink or grow, to evolve ourselves, others in the world, these are the tools we use to move from source to potential to being to human being and finally to next level human being. 
In this way, we are both participants and co-creators of source. Source is in us and we are in source. That is what makes us special. Coming to terms with this power allows us to grow ourselves and evolve the world. When we are in alignment with source, we are enhanced and the world expands too. When we are out of flow with source, we become degraded and the world also contracts in response. Even a close reading of Genesis seems to suggest that before God could create, it had to first become aware of itself. Consider the opening lines. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. The earth was without form and void. In other words, in the beginning there was nothingness. And then it almost seems like God suddenly pops into existence and notices himself. In the dark depths of all that nothingness, it witnesses its reflection moving on the water. Out of that awareness came the word, and from the word came creation. In our beginning, we are also nothing. That nothing represents the empty space, i.e. potential and possibility for something. In that emptiness, we develop an awareness and a will to create something. We become conscious of our potential. From there, we have two choices. We can bring to bear our individual, imaginative, and integrative senses and create new beautiful possibilities for ourselves and the world. When we do this, we become part of the positive expansion and enhancement of the world, the universe, and source itself. We grow and we contribute to the growth of all else. Or we can channel our efforts away from creation and towards destruction. We can choose to ignore our inclusive creative drives and tear things apart instead. When we do this, we degrade ourselves. The world devolves. The universe contracts and source constricts. It begins moving away from something and back towards nothing. As expressions of source, the way we live can result in a self-expanding, virtuous cycle of creative possibility or a self-perpetuating degradation of creative potential. We are participants and influencers of this ebb and flow. Unlike any other animal, we are aware of this fact and capable of doing something about it. But this is a power we must develop. It is as if we can be gods or devils, like we are able to generate either heaven or hell from the choices and actions we take. When an individual is born, we can say they exist, but they are still dependent in a sense. They must rely on a caretaker. A child is not capable of supporting itself. Even as they grow, they must transition into a mature individual capable of being responsible for self. In this sense, we humans are not nothing, but at the same time, we are not fully something either. We are emerging in a sense. We are somewhere between the source from which we are derived, nothing, and the purpose we can choose to create, something. We are a purpose potential. We humans are essentially focused universal awareness, a piece of a whole, a single cell in the universal body of source. While we live in these bodies, we can choose to integrate others or we can deviate from them. Out of that understanding, there can only be three things we can do if we want to integrate, grow and expand. I call them the three imperatives, three reasons we are here. They are to learn, to teach, and to love. Striving toward anything but these three things degrades ourselves, others, and the world. It shrinks rather than expands source. Learning turns our potential into awareness. Teaching, sharing, contributing, giving, turns awareness into purpose. Loving, considering, integrating, creating, generating, releasing, 
uses purpose to evolve source, which then flows back to us. And the cycle repeats. In this way, source gives us life and we give life back to source. Learning grows us, teaching enhances others, and loving evolves the world. This is the work of a next level human. The potential to contribute in such a way begins with awareness. First we are nothing, then we are source. From there we become potential. With focused awareness we become conscious human beings. When we use our powers for good, to grow our awareness and evolve others, we become next level human beings. The pursuit of power, popularity, and purpose. The major drivers of the different personality types have strong influence on whether we are expanding in our personal growth or contracting, and they have ramifications for positive evolution of source or degradation of source. We can be creators or destroyers. Base level human personality is a consciousness concerned with allaying fear and procuring personal safety. This is why this mental state is primarily concerned with the pursuit of power. Base level humans see the accumulation of power as the best way to achieve safety. If they are in complete dominance, then they have safety and avoid fear. The pursuit of power means choosing me at the expense of you. It means my needs are the only thing that is important and there is no need to consider you or anything else. But this is a violation of the integrative and inclusive nature of source. Potential only comes from inclusion and integration and can never be achieved by rejection and exclusion. When we chase power, we are forgetting our individual source comes from joining and merging. By separating and controlling, we are tearing apart. We may think this only impacts others, but eventually it comes back to destroy ourselves. Imagine a superhuman dictator mad with the drive for power. Think a combination of Hitler and Superman. To succeed in becoming all-powerful means the complete destruction of the things they sought power over in the first place. In that destruction, their power soon becomes useless. In their destruction of the world, they inadvertently destroy themselves, for they cannot exist without the other. Another way to understand this is to realize humanity is an ecosystem. It is a mistake to put any species at the top of a hierarchy, as if they are the only thing that matters. Lions are not kings of the jungle. Without honeybees, beavers, and all other animals, their existence is impossible. A lion who seeks to exert power over their ecosystem ends up destroying that ecosystem in the process. And since they cannot thrive and survive outside of that system, they end up inadvertently hunting, killing, and eating themselves. Like it or not, we are reliant on each other. We either thrive or degrade together. Absolute power leads to certain self-destruction. Think of a superhuman class of wealthy and elite. Imagine they decide to let all the less wealthy humans fend for themselves and actively work to exploit them. As they engage in this destructive behavior, homelessness grows, crime escalates, and before you know it, it is these less desirables eventually rising up and destroying the upper class elites. The reverse is also true. If the less desirables refuse to engage and grow source through the active pursuit of their own purpose potential and instead engage with the world as victims, they will also destroy themselves. Source is all and without all, you, me, and you, me, it moves back to nothingness, disorder, and randomness once more. Base level humans focus on me only. They do not live by the expansive and inclusive imperatives of learn, teach, and love. Instead, they cling to the model survive, win, and dominate. This contracts source, degrades the world, and ultimately destroys the self they were trying to preserve. Culture level mindset has the opposite problem from base level. 
Whereas base level rejects you in favor of me, culture level prioritizes you over me. It has a primary will to popularity. It believes this is the way to achieve its quest for status and fill its craving for acceptance. The pursuit of popularity is another path to personal destruction. We destroy ourselves by confining and constraining our me power and giving primacy to you power. We give up ourselves to fit into the group. We prioritize the group over the individual. We conform to fit in. We turn our backs on ourselves and lose our power in the process. This is like a pack of wolves deciding that the world would be better if everyone was a wolf. They then set out to turn deer into wolves and bees into wolves and trees into wolves. In that process, the idea of wolves becomes destroyed. For if everything is the same, then the idea of wolf is lost. It can no longer be a distinct entity and ceases to exist. Remember, source is integrative and inclusive. It's that nature that sustains and perpetuates it. If we reject our authentic selves, then we are violating source. And like in the case of base level behavior, we once again inadvertently destroy ourselves and evolve the world. Culture level lives by the mantra, conform, achieve, be famous. This means it is only ever considering what the world out there wants and never in touch with what their own self wants. Not only do culture level types focus on you over me, they selectively reject certain people while preferentially picking certain other people. They love forming teams and sacrifice their personal identity for the identity of the team. This is the root of all the isms, sexism, racism, fascism, nationalism, etc. And it is a much more destructive force to the world. Groups can do more damage than individuals, and groupthink is far more persuasive and permeating. Just as with base-level humans, culture-level humans cannot integrate, and that leaves you, me, unbalanced and torn. Since source is meant to be holistic and inclusive, any type of exclusion fragments source. If source is fragmented, we ourselves are left insolvent. Next-level human nature is all about the pursuit of purpose. Unlike power and popularity, purpose includes self and other. Purpose, by its very nature, can only derive from a deep understanding and expression of self along with the desire to consider and include others and the world. It comes from an individual awareness of one's unique gifts and the humble intention to use them for the growth of self and the betterment of the world as a whole. Purpose seeks to play its role, nothing more. Purpose is supportive of self and other. It is integrative, holistic, and inclusive. It is also in complete alignment with the nature of source. Because of that, purpose sustains and expands source. The next level human pursuit of their authentic self and the conviction to uphold the purpose potential of others is what's salient here. The next level human has a desire to impact the world in some positive way only they are capable of. This integration of self and other is what creates the self-sustaining nature of source, potential, and the evolution of being. The next level human imperatives of learn, teach, and love is the path to purpose, the path back to source, and the only way to sustain oneself. In a seeming paradox, we are left with the fact that when we care for others, we are caring for self. This theme of all is one is not new, but it is easily forgotten. Thanks so much for hanging out on the podcast today, guys. I'm going to stop reading there. I hope you enjoyed this segment from the book Next Level Human, and I will see you at the next episode. 